0: Hello and welcome to presenting a podcast where reach out about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder or Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godick, and with me today is Isabel Thorne. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Happy to be here.
0: So uh, Isabel is a longtime freelance author, game designer, and editor with over three dozen credits to her name, the majority being Pathfinder, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and Starfinder for Paizo. Isabel is currently working on the Luminant Age campaign setting for Pathfinder Second Edition. You can reach Isabel at Kalindalara on Twitter, as well as on the Paizo forums, where she has over ten thousand posts. Uh, it's actually over eleven thousand, but I thought you know, ten thousand sounds like a sounds like a big number already. Nice so, round
2: number. Yeah.
0: So, Isabel, can you talk about your background and your journey to becoming an RPG author, game designer, and editor?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, ever since I was but a wee lass, and really before I knew about the latter part of that, uh, I wanted to be a writer of, you know, fantasies, uh, very much in the vein of like Tolkien. And although I don't think I'll ever have his grasp of uh, the academic language, but. For a while, that dream kind of was left by the wayside as I, you know, dealt with education and uh, day-to-day life. And it wasn't until I actually came out as transgender that I really started sort of feeling like I had a shot again. Mm -hmm. It's... Very curious how that happens. Uh how before everything just seems sort of meh. But so I uh put some stuff together for one of the wayfinders. I want to say number sixteen. Mm-hmm. And from there I kind of stumbled into it. Uh I wrote up some things for Wayfinder. They accepted the one and uh, politely uh, left behind the other. And one day I was on Twitter in uh, Jessica Price's mentions, just Mm -hmm. loitering. Uh, And I was more or less fished out of there by a gentleman named Robert Brooks. Uh, it was like, I'm doing this, uh, this Kickstarter third party setting. Do you have any writing samples? And I was like, technically, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sent those okay. over to him. He was delighted. Early on, there was a lot of that. I would show people, you know, my first things, and they would just be astonished and i don't know how that happened really so from there uh yeah you know, i i worked on his uh the aethera campaign setting mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. which i believe
1: is still out there somewhere
0: it is i have it at, on my shelf actually <laughs> from Legendary Excellent. games uh
1: yeah i did a few things in there mostly things to do with the fey or the shadow mm-hmm. uh And the chitons there really were my baby. But from there, I more or less hung around on the fringes of the industry for a little while. Until one day, uh, Mr. Stevens, uh, Owen uh, Casey Stevens, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: messaged me and was like, do you want to write on a player companion? And I was like, yes. And things just kind of snowballed from there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, You know, I interviewed Tim Nightingale uh, a couple years ago, and one of the things he mentioned is that, uh, you know, Wayfinder, they designed it as an entry point for new authors into the industry. And so you're another example of of somebody who's gotten through that way the start. Also interviewed Owen Casey Stevens, and one of the things that he mentioned is, um, you know, he worked on the uh, Player Companion uh, line, and that that was a, another point for people to get started at Paizo. So um, mm-hmm. it's funny because you, you've been an uh, author longer than most of the people I've interviewed. And so you've taken that older traditional path uh, mm-hmm. compared to how a lot of other folks now seem to have done it more through like um, networking or maybe a couple open calls. Uh, some folks used to also uh, get into RPG Superstar so that was another another path
1: did try out for one of the rpg superstars i want to say 2015 Mm -hmm. uh my item is still floating around somewhere in there it's adequate uh but yeah i can't really imagine making it sort of through that process today Right. Then again, I couldn't really imagine it back then. It really was just like serendipity from mm-hmm. start to finish. I did a bit of the networking too. I went to Pisocon the year we were doing Ethera, mm-hmm. And every year since up until the pandemic.
0: Yeah, the pandemic has changed it for a lot of folks, myself included. I I'm I miss Pisacon, I'm really close to where it usually is held. And uh, I I cannot go because of my uh, immunocompromised situation, so I'm uh, Um, bummed about that, yeah. Uh, Now you've worked on literally dozens and dozens of Pathfinder and Starfinder projects, Um, probably more than anybody else I've talked to outside of maybe Owen Casey Stevens, I don't know how many he's worked on, right?
1: That that man is a machine. I used to joke he had nine jobs.
0: I I think he still does. But how have you managed to become so prolific as a freelancer?
1: Oh, On the one hand, I'm inclined to, again, say I have no idea. It was probably luck. Uh, Part of it may have been, like, not to go off on a just complete ego trip here but it's okay i think quality did have something to do with it right. uh especially early on a lot of people sort of followed my work specifically yeah. uh, a lot of people took a very direct interest in it there were people who would Who would say, um, did you write this section? Because it's my favorite and it feels like you did. And often I did. Mm -hmm.
0: So people started recognizing your style, uh, even for uncredited kind of pieces. That's neat.
1: Indeed. I've been described by one of my fellow freelancers as, I believe the uh, words they used were, uh, ephemeral and
0: elegant in my mm-hmm. uh
1: presentation mm-hmm. and my word
0: choices those are nice words by themselves too <laughs> well so even so so you've done a really good job and it seems like people must have um noticed that and wanted to keep having you do work so i, I mean also, it's not just uh, being a great writer but being connected you know
1: oh yes I actually had the advantage also that at the time uh James Jacobs was headlining a lot of the uh
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of the Pathfinder rule book line mm-hmm. as a lot of the design team and such were busy toiling in secret to give us the second edition mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and he was just happy to give me as many words as. I could ask for, like I think my second assignment with him was sixteen thousand words
0: wow that's that's a lot for a second assignment, yeah, yeah, for sure and
1: he was also responsible for my biggest assignment of all time, which was plainer adventures, mm-hmm. which I believe by word count, I wrote one sixth of that book
0: what What's kind of your uh favorite thing to write? Um, for Pizo, I mean, you've written quite a mm-hmm. lot of different things, both Pathfinder and Starfinder. Do you have a particular favorite
1: so another one of my advantages, perhaps uh in terms of the prolificness, was that I can and will write anything. I okay. generally didn't have a lot of trouble adapting to different uh design types. If mm-hmm. they needed monsters, I could do monsters and so on. For favorites, though, in Pathfinder 1st Edition, it was definitely the archetypes. Because mm-hmm. archetype design was this very beautiful art. Because mm-hmm. it was a package deal. You couldn't just take you know a dedication and a couple of feats to get by. Right. Uh, you were in it for the whole thing. So you could do a lot in terms of like this ability counterbalances out this ability, mm-hmm. uh, and this kind of pays for this ability. Mm-hmm. So it was this very interesting sort of microcosm of design.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. one of the things I've always been fascinated by in design is how things interact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like with a lot of my designs, I thought of, okay, what are people going to use this with? What feats are they going to take with this archetype and on what classes and how is all that going to work together, and how do I want it to work together?
0: Right, right. So thinking the full the full meal, how, how a player is going to use this rather than just the thing by itself, I think that's a great exactly. great approach.
1: For Starfinder, I actually haven't had that much experience with it. Uh, of my, I believe, 42 credits, only eight are Starfinder. Uh, and most of those have been either flavor-focused articles, uh, like the, uh, the Vellstrack artic- article in... Issue 11 or simple monster entries. Like, I the only uh RPG line rulebook, core rulebook I've been on there was the uh original Alien Archive, where uh, among other things, I did the Marikoy,
2: oh, uh and the
1: Swarm.
2: I was very
1: mm-hmm. proud of them, but. Of what I've experienced for Starfinder, it's probably monster design, although mm-hmm. designing uh I don't know what they're calling them now species probably
0: yeah species yeah uh
1: designing species just from the perspective of like their society, how their mm. flavor informs their statistics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh the two I did are in, I believe, AP twenty one, uh, Husk World, from mm-hmm. the Attack of the Swarm exclamation mm-hmm. point adventure path, and uh, with those, I was very interested in kind of approaching these strange cultures that had been through, in some cases, very traumatic events,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, an entire like an entire populace of construct people who were severed from their memories during the gap Mm -hmm. and a series and a sort of species of highly communalistic, uh, serpent women. Wow. So it was very interesting putting all that together, Mm -hmm. even in the little space I had, because, you know, word count is what it is. Right.
0: Right. So, so you mentioned you only have eight credits for Starfinder, which is a lot for a lot of I
2: know, of folks, I know.
0: <laughs> but still, um, you know, you've, you've kind of gone between three different game systems, uh, Pathfinder, Pathfinder Second Edition, and Starfinder. What are some of the challenges that you face, both going between the systems and then overall kind of playing the different roles as a writer, game designer, and as an editor?
1: So for the most part, I never really had that much difficulty with the sort of shifting of gears. Uh Since, I don't know, it's hard to explain. For some reason, I just sort of very easily shift to a different skill set. Mm-hmm. The difficulty was I was just absurdly... Like in depth, experienced with the third edition D and D game engine, so mm-hmm. for Pathfinder One E, I could kind of just make the system dance to my whim, right? But Starfinder, Starfinder is kind of this. Don't tell Paizo I said this, although I'm sure they know it themselves but it's kind of this clunky hybrid of Mm -hmm. where they were trying to go with PF2 while still kind of shackled to the math of PF1 through the bestiary system. And it is very much, uh, sort of kind of hobbled by that in ways that I find kind of difficult. PF2 was, uh, struggle for a different reason uh i was on a couple of the first lost omens books uh particularly the character guide and we didn't have the rules
0: (laughs) and wow yeah 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 because it's still in playtest while you're doing that mm -hmm, and they
1: wouldn't well we were basically just sort of uh working with the best information we had at the time right And for someone like me who is, A, very, very reliant on sort of precise knowledge in terms of how I do my designs, and who is very, very prideful about her work, like for me, I struggle sometimes with the necessities of development because... I'm really invested in, like, my vision for my work.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that was something I couldn't really rely on in that phase of design, having to just sort of work blind and rely on them to, quote-unquote, fix it in post. And so I really struggled with those assignments. And I've kind of been struggling since then. Because just once you start, uh, once you sort of uh, lose your pace, lose your uh, momentum, Mm -hmm. it can be a real struggle to to sort of get that back, get back on that. And I have a particular problem with the deadlines. Frankly, it's astonishing. (laughs) I've gotten as many assignments as I have because even early on I would occasionally need a one or two week extension mm-hmm. and in the in the sort of changeover era that kind of grew and it hasn't really come back yet
0: well you must write very well because uh normally the what what I'm told is you have to be a person that they can get along with, person that writes very well, um, or and a person that gets everything on time. And if you have two of those three, then usually they'll keep working with you. So
1: And that was just, I think where yeah. I am, because yeah. especially early on uh in my transition really, I made an extra effort to be sort of it's hard to describe without sounding a bit silly, but as sweet and kind as I could manage.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that really did make an impression uh upon them.
0: So in addition to writing for Paizo now, um, you know, I recently interviewed both Andrew and uh Mikael or Michael uh, about Luminant Age. And it just so happened I was just kind of picking people. They both had worked on it. And then I got to, to you and it turns out that you've also worked on that campaign so so what role do you play with their project
1: Hmm. so from a sort of technical or title position I'm doing some writing but in part because of the issues I described with sort of deadlines and some of the associated stress and burnout issues Mm -hmm. uh my writing footprint has been fairly minimal for the most part again from a title standpoint i'm working as the editor on the project sort of making Mm -hmm. sure everything gets smoothed out everything looks as nice as it uh can fortunately uh not to throw anyone under the bus here but Fortunately, my uh, confederates on this project are more adept as writers than some of my previous clients, so it's not mm-hmm. quite as uh, arduous a battle. From the creative standpoint, I would say I'm kind of the person in charge of more, which is to say, we are a, as I'm sure the others have mentioned, weird fantasy swashbuckling campaign. Mm -hmm. So whenever we are uh, discussing something to make the setting weird, I'm the one always looking at how can we make this more weird?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Like what if, what if instead of just, you know, a gas giant, it was a gas giant slowly collapsing into a star and then reforming. And with the swashbuckling, uh I tend to be uh Mikhail has very sort of uh understated uh sort of elegance and flair to his work. Uh it's very witty, very uh mm-hmm. uh, but very subtle. Uh my style is a lot more sort of bombastic and flourishy. I am mm-hmm. the the swashbuckler who is loud and in the middle of things. Uh, So that's a big part of the role I play, is just sort of punching up the ideas we have, editing the words we have. And when I have the chance, I try to slip in some ideas of my own. Uh, One of the things I've really uh, taken an interest in is sort of sprinkling seeds throughout the setting where mm. none of it is obvious, but if you can sort of look through it in detail and connect the dots, you might see the shape of something yet to come.
0: Some nice foreshadowing. That's good. Pretty good. So it sounds like um, you all have developed a really, really cool and very detailed and rich uh, campaign mm. environment here. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more and more of it com- coming out. Um, what aspects of it in particular drew you to the project? Mostly,
1: mostly my inability to say no to anything resembling <laughs> an opportunity to write, edit, or otherwise contribute. Like, mm-hmm. That's another thing with Paizo. In all my time with them, I think I turned down one project.
2: And it was very
1: mm-hmm. early on, uh, around the time I had accepted that 16,000 word assignment. Uh, mm-hmm. Wes Schneider came to me like, do you want to be on this player companion?" And I'm like, I have so many words. I don't mm-hmm. think I can. So, so yeah, one day Mikhail just came to me like, hey, "I'm, I'm going to do a campaign setting. You want to be part of it? And I was like, what do you think? And so I kind of fell into the project. Uh, In terms of what sort of kept me invested in it, part of it is just the aforementioned sort of creative pride, uh, sort of wanting to shepherd my ideas to fruition. Uh, Some of it is professional, wanting to show I can be a big part of something like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of it, In terms of, like, the, the, I don't know if the others talked about, like, the inspirations, the sort of source material that we sort of drew. Uh, Not so much, no. So, uh, I believe the two we most often list are Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, uh, both the film and manga both of which have consumed at this point, for the project and both of which are excellent. Uh, and the other is the elder scrolls Morrowind, which oh, I have never had the pleasure of playing, yeah. mm-hmm. but I have played so much Skyrim. I believe I mm-hmm. have literally 3000 hours of Skyrim on record. Wow. It's, it's legitimately a phase in my depression.
2: Like, Mm
1: -hmm. like depression, moping, like crushing despair, Skyrim. So, one of the things I really took from that then was uh, in Skyrim, you get to explore a lot of the uh, what they call the Dwemer ruins, the dwarven uh, ruins left behind when the dwarves all vanished in Morrowind because they poked the heart of a god or something i i'm new here (laughs) but and those those ruins have this sense of alien majesty to them there's this this sense that something was here and is now just gone Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but what's left behind sort of continues to not really function, but persist in its wake. And there's something very beautiful about that. And that's the sort of thing I'm trying to bring to this. How can we make these these post-apocalyptic elements more poignant, more more sort of dramatic, more impactful upon the players? Not just as challenges, but as ideas. And... The other thing with regards to the weird is, I have some particularly unusual uh, interests and a sort of perpendicular approach to creative design that can result in some very bizarre uh, and often very horrific elements. Uh, like going back to the etheric the Aethera campaign setting, uh, if you look at the chitons in there, which were basically, basically Robert Brooks just told me, I want to have chitons as our main sort of outsider element. Mm -hmm. And everything else, it was just go to town. And I did. (laughs) But there you had like chitons made from... uh, made from sort of failed super soldier experiments sort of fused Mm. together as sort of psychic weapons and sort of mental, what's the word? Sort of uh, uh, the center of a mental web through all their fellow chitons. Mm -hmm. You had, uh, you had the, the sort of beast men, the Okanta Mm -hmm. sort of turned into gatherers that would go out and, fetch fresh material. You had uh the plant people sort of turned into petrochemical nightmares. And that's the sort of that's the sort of weird I tend to sort of dabble in the most. One of the things I'm trying to challenge myself on for Luminant Age is a more varied approach to weird, more than just, you know, Horrific things, although there will be some horrific things. And in the sort of sci-fi to fantasy uh, spectrum, I tend to land very far on the fantasy end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest I get to sci-fi is uh, like Star Wars, which has sort of the fantastical elements.
2: Right. Or...
1: Occasionally, some of the really classic sci-fi stuff like, you know, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. But for the most part, hard sci-fi has never been my thing. Whereas Mikhail comes down a little closer to that end. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, I'm kind of challenging myself to move in that direction, kind of meet him over there and really Mm -hmm. bring my creativity to those ideas.
0: Mm-hmm, hmm very cool. So, you've been at this for a, a number of years. What advice do you have for people interested in becoming a freelance writer or editor or game designer? Oh, God help us.
1: <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the the first thing I would say is... Don't be late on multiple assignments successively, but, you know, hopefully you won't. Uh, For the various elements, I kind of come at it from various sort of positions. Uh, In terms of the professional aspect, obviously, you want to be easy to work with. You want to be uh, someone who really... Brings their all to a project, one of the things I did on a ton of projects actually was I would go i would in my spare time, go over other people's sections mm-hmm. uh at their option, of course, and just sort of offer my feedback and suggestions for improvement and sort of try and make the project a a better place overall, and stuff like that I think is just really good, if you can, and of course, the sort of professional aspects you know be on time be be cool about like uh, disclosure and not mm-hmm. letting things slip uh sort of all the all the basic stuff as a game designer uh and this kind of flows into the other ones as well, but. What you want to do is be as familiar as you can with the content. Yeah. One of the things I brought to the table very early on, when I was still finding my feet with Game Balance, which some of my early stuff was... Uh, we we still talk about the Silk sword, But the point is, uh, one of the things I brought was I knew just on instinct how to write to the Pathfinder style. I knew Mm
2: -hmm. what sort of
1: phrasing you'd want for a feat that did X. I knew what sort of, uh, what sort of voice you want to speak in for flavor. Mm Uh, and that's the sort of thing you can best get by just immersing yourself in the content. Just Mm -hmm. read the books. Uh, in terms of getting to grips with the sort of technical aspects, the mechanical design, uh, my usual uh, practice method is just to build characters, just build one character after another, Mm -hmm. Uh, just figuring out how the pieces of the system mesh. As a writer, in terms of uh, improving your quality of work, the best thing you can do by far is read. Read good books, read adult mm-hmm. books. Like young adult is well and good, but it's probably not going to challenge someone who aspires to this sort of thing. You want to you want to find books that are if possible above your above your level and sort of rise to meet them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few that I uh frequently uh that I frequently recommend to people. Uh, one of them, and I always feel like I have to throw an asterisk on this, is the novelization for Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. by Matthew Stover. Say what you will about the pre- about the prequels and many people have but that book is just magnificent in terms of how it's written uh how it explores the psychology of these characters going through the sort of Mm -hmm. grand and dramatic fall and in some cases how the sort of subtle wit it has stuff like that uh really uh just really helps you grow as a writer and and just read as much as you can as well. Because at first you might have to sort of look at how things are put together, mm-hmm. uh, how sentences are laid out, how ideas are presented. But eventually it will become second nature. Uh, I was a skilled reader from an early age, so I don't have a ton of advice on how to actually become one. Uh, But and as an editor, honestly, it's kind of the, the same thing. I have no formal training as an editor whatsoever. I believe I barely passed my one English course in university. It was technical writing. I was bored out of my skull. (laughs)
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But again, read enough books and you'll see how things are supposed to look. That's really a key element of my strength, of my sort of strength as a writer, editor, designer. I can look at something and know how it's supposed to look. I can look Mm at a draft and go, okay, change this, 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 and this. And I mm-hmm. can write seamlessly in that or other voices. R- regarding the degree, by the way, I sometimes wonder if it's doing me any good in this field. I actually have a marketing degree.
0: <laughs> well, I would say I also have a marketing degree that if nothing else, uh, how one presents oneself when they're doing work, that it's marketing. Uh, we, hmm. we market ourselves all the time. We brand ourselves. And, uh, whether or not it's intentional, right, and whether or not it's effective, it, that's all still marketing.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: And
1: especially as freelancers, we have to. And yeah. especially as freelancers, we have yes. to be adept at that. Because mm. one of my other sort of unusual traits as a uh, as an author is I almost never ask for work. Mm-hmm. I don't even send emails, you know, telling them I'm available. I just sort of sit here just in this chair, staring at this computer screen, just waiting for the email to pop up.
0: And it seems to work. (laughs) It
1: it has so far. I'm hoping it will again.
0: (laughs) But uh, you had a question. Yeah. So what's next for Isabel? What kind of cool things are you working on that you can uh, actually talk about?
1: Oh, so I've got a couple of uh, non piso projects lined up. Uh, we've already talked about Luminant Age to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also serving as lead editor and developer on a project that was recently kickstarted. Uh, well, I say recently, it was like half a year ago now. Uh, Sinclair's Library. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I talked to
0: uh, James Beck about that. So. Ah, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with Mr. Beck's work. Yes. Uh, and that was arguably one of the first times I asked for work. I, I'd i say don't tell them I said this, but I said this to their face. So <laughs> uh, I basically took one look at their Kickstarter page and went, I should offer my
0: services. You need a little bit of help here. Yes.
1: (laughs) Just a... I don't want to say it was grim, but like... It would not look out of place in a Frasmin temple. (laughs) And aside from those... uh, well, One of my other things is I'm trying desperately not to acquire any new work since we've discovered uh, that I have kind of a problem when I have too many sort of things going on. Uh, and I it really contributes to the stress and the burnout as I kind of look mm-hmm. this way and that, trying to decide. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of sworn off new projects for until I've got all the fires put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm technically also the a co-editor with a uh, simone uh mm-hmm. yeah uh simone Sale, i think sale
0: uh simone disali i think it's that,
1: that could be yeah. i i communicate through text like 95% of the time so yeah i have no idea how to pronounce anything
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh mm-hmm. i'm co-editor with uh them on uh the Queer Finder stuff on Pathfinder Infinite. Hmm, very uh, cool. We've only got a couple issues out thus far because we are a bunch of people making RPG projects. It mm-hmm. There's not a lot of uh, iron discipline with the deadlines there. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I'm trying to do when I can manage to say no to enough work to find the time is with all that Paizo work I was doing, I never had much time to work on sort of my own creative projects. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'm currently doing is trying to set aside some time to work on my own projects, particularly my uh, fiction, Mm -hmm. uh, fantasy, and other types of fantasy, mostly. Uh, Since... I really want to sort of get myself out there in that field as well, really share some of these ideas I've been bottling up and half starting for like eight years now.
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And finally get one or two of them to fruition. So fingers crossed that at some point here, I'll actually finish one of those and manage to get it you know, up on Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm kind of, that's kind of my my aspiration at this point.
0: Well, it seems like you have a lot going on already and a lot to, to look forward to. So it's very good, very good stuff. Well, Isabel, it's been great getting a chance to meet you and get to know you and have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Of course, and the feeling is uh, very much mutual. Thank you for having me.